Well, good morning. Uh, wow, I did not expect that. I didn't even leave time for it. But thank you. Thank you for <laughs> engaging with Usually I have to say it a second time, and then everyone says it a lot of the second time. So thanks for being on top of that. Uh, well, yeah, my name is Cameron Sprinkle, and uh, I'm so uh, grateful uh, to be uh, sharing with you today. And I want to say uh, for everyone who gives me whoops, whoops, and uh, for uh, the response you gave Steve last night when, when he uh, announced that I was preaching, uh, the love and support you've given me, the prayers you've given me this week, just thank you so much uh, from the bottom of my heart. I'm just so grateful uh, to feel like you're my family and that I'm connected to you. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Uh, so yesterday, I just celebrated my uh, 30th birthday. Uh, yes, which I think deserves uh, additional whoop whoops. Uh, I think it's pretty impressive that I managed to keep myself alive uh, for this long. Uh, I'm taking some credit for that. And there's some things I've done that have uh, contributed to that. I drive the speed limit. Uh, I work out a couple times a year. And uh, there are... <laughs> Looking back, I can say with certainty, though, that the thing that has sustained me, the thing that has, on the, on the earthly side, uh, the, the, the decisions I've made uh, that have sustained me and brought me joy and brought me uh, con- success and contributed to my well-being are my relationships. And uh, last night, actually, I had, uh, Carissa did an incredible job with my birthday yesterday, and, and she, at the end of it, surprised me, uh, but take me to Orange Leaf. And I was surprised by all these people and uh, it was just this wonderful moment of, of getting to be, be with so many people that I love so much. Uh, that's, I think, mostly my connection group. And then we've got uh, some other really dear friends uh, from Genesis and even from other churches uh, in that photo. And uh, these people, these, my relationship with these people, fuel everything that you see from me on Sunday morning uh, or on most Sundays as I'm leading worship. That They show me truth. They show me uh, uh, courage. They encourage me. Uh, they hold me accountable. Uh, they let me vent. They do so many things that empower my relationship with God. And so relationships is something that really, I'm really passionate about um, because I haven't always had great relationships like the ones that you see in this picture. And so uh, we're in this series called Only Love where we're talking about uh, how we look to so many things in our lives to do what only love can do. And last week Steve talked about how only love can raise the dead and only love can resurrect Uh, can redeem what's broken. Uh, But today's message is called uh, Only Love Can Restore Relationships. And we're going to talk about the significance of relationships. We're going to talk about that in two contexts. We're going to talk about our relationship with God and our relationship uh, with each other. Um, So first, uh, to give us a a picture of God's heart uh, for us, I want to start uh, by reading a a passage in Isaiah uh, chapter 61, verses 1 and 3. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. This is a prophecy about Jesus, and so this is Uh, referring to Jesus and the things that he will do when he gets here. Uh, It says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And what I want you to get from this verse is that I want you to know, first and foremost, that God is a God of restoration. He is in the business of restoration. You can see uh, the Father's heart in this passage because in this passage we just read, we see healing, we see freedom, we see favor, we see comfort, we see beauty, and we see praise. And we see that it's all for the display of his splendor. And so if you want a tangible, practical, uh, visible expression of God's love for us, you need to look no further than to look at uh, the way that a loving parent loves their child. 
what that parent desires for their child is simply to be connected to them. You want to be a part of their life. I'm not a parent yet, uh, but I, I know that many of you are. And uh, what you desire in that relationship with your child is simply to know them and to be a part of their life, right? It's not too super complicated uh, what you want out of that relationship. And that's what uh, God wants for us, is he wants a connection with us. And as a parent, what breaks your heart is separation from your child, whether that's uh, emotional separation or maybe physical separation when your child moves away. Um, and maybe the worst kind of separation is a rebellious separation when they just choose to be separated from you. And that's what breaks your heart. And that's because uh, that's how God's heart is. He's wired us to be that way because God's heart is broken when he's separated from us. God wants to have a healthy relationship with you, and he also wants you to have a healthy relationship with others. Uh, so what is a relationship? At the very simplest, a relationship is uh, knowing and being known. If you know someone and they know you, then you have a relationship. Now, uh, every once in a while, I have this really awkward moment uh, when I'm out in public. Uh, maybe it's happened to you before. Uh, I will see someone, and I will start to think, I feel like I should say hi, but I'm not sure if I know this person, but I feel like I know this person. I feel like I've seen their face. And um, I'm racking my brain trying to figure out if I know them. And I finally realize how I know them. I know them because they're in my friend's Facebook pictures. <laughs> but I've never actually met them. <laughs> and so then at that point, I realize I need to shut down. I need to abort the greeting mission <laughs> because I will not be able to explain how I know that person. We don't have a relationship because I know them, but they don't know me. So that's not a relationship. So why do relationships matter? Why would we spend a Sunday talking about relationships? And why would God care about our relationships? Well, it's because God wants unity in his family in the same way that any parent wants to see their kids get along. And it brings them great joy to see the kids serving each other and loving each other. We are all God's children, and God wants to see that from us. And the second reason is that relationships impact who we are, how we behave, what we believe, how we serve. Good relationships empower us and edify us and encourage us and comfort us. But bad relationships can hinder us, distract us, discourage us, and sometimes nearly destroy us. And I want you to think today of a relationship in your life that is either broken, warped, or weak. A broken relationship is one where maybe there was an event or a series of events that led to a harsh break-off in your relationship. Uh, to the point that maybe you don't even want a relationship with this person anymore. And there are serious forgiveness and healing issues to be dealt with. A warped relationship is one where maybe uh, your relationship is still intact, but it's dysfunctional. And maybe there's a, a dynamic that you know you have to dance around and that you can't be fully honest with this person and uh, the relationship isn't fully whole. And a weak relationship is one where maybe there's no hurt, maybe there's no dysfunction, but the relationship just isn't as strong uh, as you want it to be or as connected as you want it to be or as it should be. Um, I know uh, in this room that there are many broken, warped, and weak relationships represented. And I want you to know that in preparation for this message, uh, I, it really was on my heart to make sure that I didn't come in here uh, the young guy, probably the youngest teaching pastor that we have right now. I didn't want to come in here as a young guy swinging around these ideas, uh, telling you what to do with your life, and, and not having any type of context for the relationships that were going to be represented here. I've got my own broken relationships, and I'm going to talk more about that later. But in preparation for this message, I met with several people, basically everybody I ran into uh, the last week or so, and I asked them to tell me about their broken relationships. And uh, I asked them to tell me about what happened, why it hurt, 
um, where it's at now and if they found resolution, how they found resolution. And so I don't know you or your circumstances. I know many of you and, and some of your circumstances, but I don't know all of you. And you might be thinking, Cameron, I, I'm, I'm checking out now because you don't know me. You don't know how complicated my relationships are. You don't know how hurtful it's been. And uh, I don't want to talk about that right now. And what I want to ask is for you to uh, open up your heart and be vulnerable with me. And uh, week after week, uh, I get up here and I try to be vulnerable with you. And when you ask me in the cafe, sometimes I will say, uh, I'm not having a good day. I haven't had a good week. And uh, I want you to know me. And uh, I want to be vulnerable with you. And so what I'm asking is that somebody who loves you and somebody who wants to see healing in your life, would you be vulnerable with me today? And we're not going to go around like one by one and like share your story about like your broken relationships. So don't get worried about that. But just in your heart, as I'm asking you to evaluate yourself and asking you to evaluate your relationships, I want to ask if you would uh, get past the whole we're just going to go to church, sit and listen and leave thing. Let's sit for a second and really open up our hearts and really open up our uh, ourselves and our relationships for evaluation. And as we do that, uh, I want you to believe that with God, all things are possible. And so... Uh, the first half of this message, I want to talk, take just a few minutes uh, to talk about three key aspects of relationships and what a healthy relationship even looks like. Because this is something that as I've, uh, in 30 years of life, I'm going to use that so many times today. It's such a nice vehicle for like reflection. Uh, in my 30 years of life, I've seen uh, that a lot of people don't have a very good grasp on what relationships are supposed to look like. We think we do, but we don't. Um, and so we're going to talk practically about what a healthy relationship looks like and then uh, in the second half, we're going to talk about how uh, the cross and the, the death and resurrection of Jesus empowers us to have reconciliation with each other. And with that, we're going to go to a commercial break brought to you by IMMI Water Bottle. My mouth is like cotton. You know, it's so funny because I, I hate awkward silence. And sometimes it's funny how God puts me in a situation where it just has to happen. <laughs> All right, so uh, the first of the, the three key elements of a healthy relationship is trust. And that's one that might seem uh, very obvious to you, but it's actually an issue that runs really deep. And um, as we move through these three things, uh, each of these three elements of a relationship um, could be its own sermon. <laughs> and uh, we're not going to take a, uh, enough time to unpack it fully um, today, but I want to touch on them briefly. And um, the trust is one that uh, we could talk a lot about. But in our relationship, we have to be able to trust each other. And what that means is we have to be able to trust each other's intentions, and we have to be able to trust each other's words. <clears throat> so we have to believe that the person in this relationship uh, wants what's best for us, and we have to be able to believe what they say. And uh, many times throughout <clears throat> excuse me, this segment, you're going to be tempted to think of someone in your life like, oh, man, this person needs to hear this. Uh, this guy, oh, man, I wish, I'm going to get him the podcast. I'm going to make sure he hears that. And what I want to ask is that, that you would uh, consider today making this segment about you and saying, this message is for you. So turn to the person next to you and say, this message is for me. <laughs> that sounded so begrudgingly said, like, this message is for me, I guess. <laughs> so we need to be able to, be, uh, to trust each other. We need to be trustworthy. And so to be trustworthy, we have to say what we mean. Uh, we can't expect people to read between the lines of what we're saying. We need to be clear. We need to be honest. We need to be vulnerable uh, in our communication. And uh, the one way that we distort that, we don't tell the whole truth, is that when we see people, they say, how you doing? Oh, good, good, busy, but good, you know. <laughs> and we never, ever actually say, my kid threw up on the way to church, and uh, my husband and I aren't doing so well. We're fighting about a 
something dumb on the patio, a decision we were making, but it was a big deal at the time. We don't give people the nitty-gritty. And what I want to ask you is, uh, do you trust people who never seem to tell you the whole truth? I don't. And I always wonder, what are you hiding? And, and what can I trust you with if you're not going to be honest with me? There's no way to do life not being known. You need to have people in your life who know you. And uh, another way that we screw up uh, this whole trust element uh, with our verbal integrity is that we're passive-aggressive. And that we say things in slightly non-confrontational ways because we're too afraid to be honest. And so we say things like, well, you can skip your brother's birthday party if you feel like it's not a priority to you. (laughs) You're not really leaving any option for, like, my side of the story when you say things like that. That stuff drives me nuts. Uh, So I think I want you to ask yourself, are you the type of person who says things like that, that tries to guilt trip people into doing things, but you won't actually just say exactly how you feel? Are you a person who can calmly and thoughtfully tell someone when you've got a problem with them? Or are you a person who avoids confrontation, just tries to drop hints, and just hope that that person figures it out? That's not a way to have an honest relationship, and that's not a way to build trust. The answer to these questions is important because it impacts the way people trust you. So we have to be able to trust each other, and we have to be able to trust God. And so what does it mean to trust God? Uh, well, it's the same thing. We have to believe his intentions, and we have to believe what he says. We have to believe that he wants what's best for us. And a lot of times we, uh, we distort that because we think we know what's best for us. You know, as a child growing up, I thought what was best for me was to have ice cream for dinner and to play video games all night. <laughs> And my parents knew that that wasn't what was best for me, but I had no capacity to fully understand what was best for myself. And I think that even as adults, we're still children, and God's still our Father, and we still don't fully have the capacity to fully understand what is good for us. But in Romans 8, 28, it says, God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his will. And so uh, what that means is what's good for us, and what God knows is good for us, that's his definition it's not our definition. We don't get to decide what's good for me is to drive a Ferrari and to live in a mansion. Well, God said what's good for you is to be humble and to be uh, thoughtful and to be compassionate and considerate, to be grateful. And so we have to open up our mind uh, to the idea that God uh, has a better idea than we do. And maybe you're here today, and, you, and this is right number one, trust. You're stuck on this uh, in your relationship with God because you have trouble trusting God. Uh, you have trouble believing that God cared about the details in your life. You have trouble believing that he wants what's best for you. And if that's you today, I want you to know, I know how you feel. And, uh, and I relate to the struggle of trusting God. Um, many of you were here for uh, a few weeks ago. We shared a video uh, in our service as my wife and I shared our struggle with infertility. And we've been trying for about two years uh, to conceive of a child. And over that two years, uh, I was very frustrated. and I had a lot of questions about trusting God. And uh, there was one particular Sunday uh, that kind of came to a fever pitch. Um, we, Carissa was singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. She was standing right here, and I was playing the guitar, and she was singing that song. And we were declaring God's faithfulness in this time when we were having trouble seeing His faithfulness. And I was having trouble trusting Him. And uh, I don't know how she got through it. It's just the, the power of the Holy Spirit that sustained her through that song, because she was about, about in tears. We finished that song, and I walked right on the other side of that curtain. We got a little space where the band could sit down backstage. I sat down and cried. And uh, I cried out to God, and I said, God, why us? I don't get it. Um, I would be a loving father. She would be a loving uh, mom. Why us? And I felt like the Lord said to me, Cameron, it's you, too, because you have a lot of people watching you, and I have something I want to teach all of you. And that wasn't the answer I wanted or expected. I said, God, I don't want to be used in that way. And he said, Cameron, you've been praying for years that I would make you influential. And you can't have it both ways. You can't stop being influential when I want to use you now. 
And uh, it was tough to hear that, but at the same time, it was so wonderful to hear from the Lord and to know that he hadn't forgotten me, that he had a plan for this, and I had a greater amount of trust for him. And I trusted him not because of what I saw, but because of what I heard. Trust cannot exist without communication. That's the second key element of a healthy relationship. Communication is simply talking and listening. And as simple as that is, it's amazing how much we stink at it. Uh, we think we're really good at communication because we have so many different ways to do it uh, this day and age. And uh, I know I'm starting to sound like an old man. I know it. Uh, 30 years old, you know. I've been here 30 years. It's been a, been a long, I've been around a long time. <laughs> but uh, real quickly, uh, so in James, we get really, really clear, really wise, really concise instruction on talking and listening. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So my question to you, are you quick to listen and slow to speak? I know I'm not. I uh, am always thinking about how things can be better and how I can fix things and uh, how I can approach something. And, and a lot of times, if I'm honest, I'm waiting for someone to stop talking so I can tell them how I can fix their problem. <laughs> Apparently some of you are like that too. Uh, maybe you, or you think it's horrible that I'm like that. And horribly amusing. Um, well, uh, it's so important for us uh, in our communication with each other uh, to be honest and vulnerable and uh, to say what we mean, but it's also so important for us to listen to each other. And this is something that, uh, that I, I have struggled with massively, and, and my wife Carissa has helped me so much. She's been so gracious as I've learned uh, to do this. Um, uh, a couple of quick thoughts on, on listening, how to be a good listener. I'm going to keep this, make this quick and snappy so we can move on. But one, a couple of things I've learned about listening. Uh, one is, uh, to be a good listener, don't finish people's sentences. You may not... This cutting out? Yeah, no? Okay. You may not know where they're going with the sentence, so just let them talk. See? That's what listening is, is letting someone else talk. <laughs> don't finish their sentences. Don't take uh, their story and try to relate to it overzealously and then tell a whole big story about you. Uh, just listen and let them feel heard. Uh, don't uh, assume you know where they're going with a story. Don't try to solve every problem. Uh, just listen and let them feel heard. It's so valuable to feel heard, and that's a gift that you can give to someone. You know who's a, a great listener? Is your campus pastor, Steve Wallen. And you know what a gift that is to me, to be able to walk in and sit down in his office and say whatever I need to say, and he will just drop whatever he's doing, and he will just listen he doesn't cut me off. He doesn't finish my sentences. He doesn't try to rush me out of the office. He will listen. And uh, sometimes uh, he'll give me uh, some, some feedback, and sometimes he'll just nod and, and have compassionate eyes for me. And you know what? Sometimes that's all I need, just to be heard. It's such a gift to be heard. And most of the time, people need to be heard, not fixed. So that's one way uh, that you can improve your relationships. And I want to ask you, how are you doing at hearing people? How are you doing uh, at listening to people in your life? Now, talking to God is, is the same thing. It's, it's, uh, or communicating with God is the same thing. It's talking and listening. And uh, talking to God, I think we make it into this kind of complicated, reverent, Wizard of Oz type of interaction where we kind of like want to come and, and uh, tremble and, and uh, tense up and, and make sure we get all the words exactly right. But he's a loving father. And you can talk to him the same way that I'm talking to you right now. You can talk to him the same way that you talk to your mom or dad, unless you don't have a great relationship with them. In which case, I wouldn't recommend talking to God if you talk to your mom and dad. Um, but uh, you can talk to God through prayer. You can just actually just verbal speak to him. Or you can, one of the things I do to communicate with God is I journal and I write down. It's kind of like writing a letter uh, to the Lord. And 
Uh, that's a great way to get your thoughts out. And then there's a couple ways to listen to God. Uh, when you pray to him, take a minute and say, Lord, what do you have to say? Speak. Your servant is listening. Just give him a moment to say something to you. And uh, you will be amazed. Uh, I know maybe it sounds weird to hear a story about what I felt like God was saying to me backstage. Uh, but I would love for you to give it a shot and see what happens. And to just say, Lord, what, would you, what do you want me to know right now? And see if the Lord would speak to you. Uh, another way to listen is to read his word. He's given us instruction. He's given us guidance in his word. Uh, another way to uh, listen to God is to seek godly counsel. Hang around godly people and see uh, what kind of things that they have to say and how they want to speak into your life. Uh, communication is absolutely crucial in our relationships uh, with each other and with God. And it's so important to listen. It's so important to listen to each other and so important to listen to God. And listening takes restraint. And restraint is a sacrifice that we have to make in our relationships. Uh, and that's the third uh, healthy element of, uh, of a relationship, is sacrifice. And sacrifice is giving of yourself, expecting nothing in return. Uh, in other words, just don't be selfish. And by giving of yourself, ultimately what you're doing is you're showing proof of your investment in the relationship. Um, so in our relationship with each other, we need to make these relationships a priority. We need to pursue time with each other and do thoughtful things for each other. Now, this may sound really elementary, and I, I understand that, but sometimes this is something that we get really wrong. And th the way that I get this wrong is I will say things like, I'll th consider doing something for someone or making a sacrifice for someone, uh, and then I think, oh, they know I love them. They know I love them. But John Mayer says that love is a verb. And the Bible says that too. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He so loved that he gave. That's what you do when you love someone, is you give of yourself. And so if we love others, we will give something of ourselves to them. And if we love God, we will give something to him too. And so uh, we could spend a whole uh, message about how to give a sacrifice to God. And I'm not talking about the sacrifice that atones your sins. I'm talking about sacrifice that shows your investment in the relationship. And so uh, at Genesis... Uh, we start by saying celebrate, connect, and contribute. And those are really three ways uh, to make a sacrifice and show your proof of investment uh, into your relationship with God. Now, those aren't rules or qualifications for how to be a good Christian, but we believe that those are the best ways to live, that those are values that God's given us, and that we can uphold his values as a way of showing our investment in his relationship. Now, God showed his proof of investment by making the ultimate sacrifice, and sacrificing his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And so I want to take a few minutes and talk about Christ's sacrifice, because understanding his sacrifice is the key to reconciliation, which is where we're going in a little bit. So uh, why did Christ have to die? Why did God have to make a sacrifice? Uh, Isaiah 59, verse uh, 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. That's saying the problem's on your side. Have you ever uh, been FaceTiming or Skyping with somebody and the screen freezes and it's a really awkward moment? Like with lead pastor Paul Mumal, perhaps. Uh, so when that happens, his face will stop, but I can still... We, we do this uh, inter-campus FaceTime on Thursdays uh, where we kind of go over the game plan for Sunday, make sure we're all on the same page. And uh, one of my favorite parts of it is someone will always say, what time is it there? <laughs> Which is from Carmel to Noblesville. Uh, but what happens is that my screen, our, one of our screens will freeze. It happens like on every, one of every two times. Uh, one of our screens will freeze, and, and we'll say, oh, you're frozen over here. And they'll say, well, you're fine over here. And so the connection's good on our side, so the problem must be on your side. 
And that's the way uh, sin is. There has to be a connection on both sides of our relationship with God. The problem is not on his side. The problem's on our side. And that problem is called sin. And we hear a lot about sin, and uh, we talk about sin. Uh, but what is sin exactly? Well, I think sin is when we don't uphold the Father's values. And so um, mothers and fathers and parents, you have values that you expect your children to uphold, that you pour into them, that you are going to be values for your family. And uh, when your children don't uphold those values, it creates separation. So uh, people have tried to reduce Christianity to a moral code. I think that humans just keep doing this instinctively because we'd rather have a clear outlined rule uh, set of rules to follow than to have a, a re- messy relationship or a relationship where we have to keep pursuing each other. But in order to understand uh, God's commands, you have to understand his heart. And in the same way that a parent lovingly constructs boundaries for their child, God has constructed boundaries lovingly for us. And we try to make those into rules. We try to say God's just a, a police officer hiding behind a billboard just waiting to catch me speeding. But he's more like the loving father that's just hoping that you get home safely. And so, and as parents, you would say uh, to your child, you can't play in the road. You can't play in the street. And that may feel restrictive to them because maybe they're playing baseball and they think, well, I need that spot for the outfield. You don't get that. You need to let me go play in the road. Uh, it feels heartless to them. It feels restrictive to them. But you know that the best thing you can do for them is to train them to stay out of the road. And you're doing that lovingly. In the same way that the Lord has, has put boundaries in our life through his word, because he loves us, because he knows that there's danger in, in uh, the things that he's laid out for us. There's danger in, in getting too attached to money. There's danger in getting too attached to sex. There's danger in, in uh, wandering into uh, the wrong relationships. And the very nature of a boundary is that it separates two things. And so when you cross that boundary, you are now separated from the other side. And so if God says, here's where I am, and here's where you shouldn't be, and here's the boundary, when you cross that, you have separated yourself from God. And that hurts. It hurts as a parent when you see a child intentionally cross a boundary that you set. Doesn't that hurt? I don't know. I'm not a parent. Tell me, parents, does it hurt? Yeah. I saw that in my parents as I did that growing up. I could see the hurt in their eyes as I would cross boundaries. And it hurts God, too. And it's an offense. Uh, Our sin against God has caused separation on a cosmic level. Uh, There was once harmony, and then there was this offense. And each of us in our sin and rebellion have offended uh, the creator of the universe. Now, we sometimes think offended makes it sound like snotty or snobby or whatever, like you have offended me. But this is the offense, meaning on a criminal level, on a a personal level, uh, we've offended him. And so uh, with our sin and rebellion, we've offended him. And so for a long time, I wondered, why couldn't God just like wave a magic wand, sprinkle some pixie dust, and just like forgive us? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did there have to be uh, a death? The reason is because God is a good judge. And that's something that we all understand. uh, Because anytime we have a high-profile case, like we've had several this year, uh, where someone that we think should be punished has gotten away, it is outrage. It is absolute outrage. Anytime that we see... Uh, a movie where the bad guy gets away, it, it makes you feel sick when the movie ends. It like, goes against your very being that a bad guy would not be caught and held responsible for his actions. And that's because we have this love for justice because God loves justice. Isaiah 61 verse 8 says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. 
There are so many things that we naturally value and understand because God has simply built himself into who we are. It's why sometimes non-Christian authors and filmmakers can inadvertently back into concepts that portray God really well. Uh, My favorite example of this is the concept of a superhero. The concept of a superhero is that there is one person who will rise up with the power to save everyone else. Does that sound familiar? They have uh, the Savior idea in their hearts because that's how God has created them. And they don't even know it. They, they go, Superman, that's an original idea. One guy saves everybody else. Batman, Spider-Man, one guy saves everybody else. We have this idea of one guy saving everybody else naturally ingrained in our hearts and in our DNA because that is the story that we're a part of. And in the same way, we naturally have justice ingrained in our DNA because that's the story that we're a part of. And justice says that when there's an offense, there must be a punishment. And the word reconciliation means to make accounts consistent. And so to reconcile our sin would mean to, take, to, con- to make a punishment consistent with the crime. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so God, being a good judge, which we all value, said that there must be a death to pay for our crime. And that's when the story took an unexpected turn. Because he decided to take that death for us. God provided that death on our behalf, out of love and compassion. And that's what Satan didn't see coming. He didn't see this resurrection. He didn't see this, this act of Christ coming to change the game. And this is outlined really well in Colossians 1, uh, verse 19 to 23. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, this is referring to Jesus, and through him to reconcile himself to all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So that's how Christ reconciled our relationship with God is through his death and resurrection. And it wasn't something that we deserved. It was a solution brought about by God's grace. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now this is the part that we don't want to think, that we don't want to believe, but we are the bad guys who got away. Because we did not pay the punishment for our crime. And that is the mindset that we have to understand uh, going into reconciliation with each other. So many times we have a reconciliatory conversation as an opportunity for justice instead of an opportunity for unity. But reconciling relationships can't be about justice. It has to be about pursuing unity. Proverbs 28.5 says, Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand it completely. And so what it means to understand justice completely is it means you understand the offense of your sin, you understand the need for a punishment, you understand the grace with which Jesus took the punishment for our sin, you understand the grace you've been given, and you can extend that grace to other people. God resolved the justice issue by having compassion for his offenders, and that's how we resolve our issues with each other. So I have three challenges for us, and I want you to go back to this relationship in your life that may be broken, warped, or weak. Um, And so uh, for you, maybe uh, the first challenge of this is to reconcile your relationship with God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God, and uh, you have a broken relationship with the Heavenly Father. 
Well, he wants to have a relationship with you. And so you can take that step today in reconciling that relationship by confessing your sin, acknowledging your need for a Savior, acknowledging that that Savior is Jesus, and making him the Lord and Savior of your life. And if you'd like to do that, I would love to talk to you after the service. Steve would love to talk to you. We're going to have people up front that would love to pray with you and talk you through that process. Now, maybe you accepted that gift uh, a long time ago, but right now you and God are not good, and you don't have a great relationship with God. And I want to challenge you to reconcile your relationship with God today. And maybe one of the three elements is missing. Maybe the trust is missing. Maybe the communication is missing. Or maybe it's because uh, you haven't made sacrifice into that relationship and you are feeling convicted about that. So that's another step I want you to consider taking. That, that first, first step is, uh, first challenge is reconciling your relationship with God. And that has to be the first one because uh, in order for us to reconcile a relationship with others, we have to have this reconciled. We have to understand grace. We have to understand compassion because we're going to need those tools to reconcile our relationship with each other. And so my second challenge is to pursue reconciliation in your earthly relationships. Uh, pray for compassion and wisdom. Pray for courage to go and have a conversation with someone who's wronged you or someone that you uh, feel this attention with. Um, I want you to uh, pray about initiating the conversation because I believe that uh, we are called to act first because you now, having heard this, having been challenged by this, you have the knowledge, you have the resources uh, to initiate this conversation. And that doesn't make you superior, it makes you responsible. Now, you may say, well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek and just uh, love your enemies and don't really fight back. Well, we're not talking about enemies. We're talking about people that you have a relationship with or maybe a broken relationship with. And there's a precedent for that laid out in Matthew 18, 15, uh, where it says, uh, a precedent for confrontation. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So there's a biblical precedent for confrontation. It is a good thing because God wants to see reconciliation. Now, you might be thinking, Cameron, there's been a cute message. You've done a really good job, but my situation is too ugly. It would be too ugly for me to go to this person and have a conversation uh, like this. And I want to tell you, you are right. It will be ugly. And I'm telling you this from experience uh, because uh, in the second service today, there's going to be a gentleman in the room with whom I have had this conversation, and that person is my dad. And for so many of us, I think it's our dad. A lot of people have problems with their dad. I had this conversation about six years ago. Growing up, my dad was a hunting, shooting, killing type of guy, and I was in the kitchen with mom. And I was uh, artsy and emotional, and dad was tough. And he was everything that the world says a man should be. And uh, I did not feel understood by him, and he did not understand me. And for a long time, it got to the point where I did not even want a relationship anymore. I can't go too far into detail. We don't have enough time. Uh, but suffice it to say, it was a very, very uh, bad relationship. And I wanted pretty much nothing to do with him. And I could not imagine having a conversation like this, of coming to him and say, Dad, here's how you've hurt me. And, and here's how that's impacted me. And here's why that hurts. But I did. I finally got to the point where it ate away at me so much that I could not take it anymore. I felt like the Holy Spirit would weigh on me so heavily, talk to your dad, reconcile with your dad, that I went and sat down and had that conversation. And it was as ugly as you think your conversation will be. It got worse before it got better. But that's how it changed because I was honest with him. I told him how I felt about him. I told him uh, how he'd hurt me and how that impacted me and how I, uh, how I felt about him that day. And it made him cry. And uh, it made him cry tears of hurt. 
And I'd never seen my dad cry that way. And when I saw that, my heart began to change. And I did not realize that my heart needed to change. I went into that conversation thinking this is a justice conversation. And he justice needs to be brought about. He needs to know what he's done. And when my heart began to change, I realized it was a unity conversation. It was a compassion conversation. It was a grace conversation. And in that moment, I began to change. And so that conversation did not end like a Hallmark commercial or an Apple commercial. Uh, it, it didn't end with us skipping through the yard playing baseball. It was, it was a little awkward. Uh, and the next conversation after that was a little awkward, but it was a little less awkward. We kept having conversations. And today I'm so thrilled and proud to tell you that my dad is, is, is my friend. And I love him and I'm proud to be his son. And he is somebody that, that loves Jesus. And he's somebody at Morningstar Church in Kokomo who heads up the host team. Uh, he loves to make new people feel welcome. He loves to play with kids in the cafe. He loves to catch up with people. Does that sound like anybody you know? I'm grateful for my dad and for the things that he taught me and, and the ways that I'm like him. And I used to resent the ways I would like him, but I'm grateful for that. I'm telling you, only Jesus only the love of Christ and the compassion of Christ could reconcile my relationship with my dad. And that's why I can boldly stand here and tell you that with God all things are possible and that there's no relationship in your life that God can't reconcile. Now it may be possible to go through this process and come out the other side with no progress whatsoever. You may go to them and maybe they're hardened and maybe you don't get anything out of it. But I still believe in what God can do in your heart when you make that effort. Now before we close, there's one more thing I want to ask you to consider though. What if you are the person that somebody wishes they could be honest with? What if there's someone in your life who desperately wants a relationship with you, but they feel like they can't talk to you? You wouldn't know that, would you? Because the whole point of it is there's separation. You wouldn't know that there's separation. But wouldn't that break your heart? Wouldn't you want healing for that circumstance and unity for that relationship? Maybe there's somebody that really wants to tell you how you've hurt them or how your relationship with them has become warped or weak. What if that person is sitting next to you today? If that were true, you would want to know. And so I'm going to ask you to do something radical and to say four words to people in your life that are absolutely counterintuitive and countercultural. How am I doing? To say to your spouse, how am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a wife? To say to your brother and sister, am I a good brother? How am I doing as a brother? How am I doing as a friend? How am I doing as a sister-in-law or brother-in-law? How am I doing as a mother-in-law? Open up your heart with, with grace and compassion and humility for whatever they have, may have to say because ultimately you're not seeking justice. You're seeking unity. You're seeking a reconciliatory conversation. You're giving them that opportunity because what you want is to have harmony with them. And if there's a problem on your side, you need to know. And this would be a really bold and courageous way for you to find out. God brought about justice and reconciliation with compassion and grace. And that's how we bring about reconciliation, with compassion and grace. And so in a second, the band going to play a song. And, and sometimes when we, uh, most of the time when we play uh, songs here at Genesis, uh, we um, want you to sing with us. We don't want to present it to you. But in this case, we're going to have the words on the screen. I want you to reflect on that. I want you to think on that. And I want you to reflect on which of these three things you need to do next. Uh, reconcile your relationship with God. Pursue a reconciliatory conversation with someone else. Or ask someone, how am I doing? And give them an opportunity to have a reconciliatory conversation with you. And I want to end with this verse. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. All of this is from God 
who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's reflect on that as the band plays this song.